When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hi, I'm Marion Franklin, a GB Kinesiolum athlete. Yeah, I'm Joe Clark. I am the Olympic champion from Rio 2016. I'm Joe Fraser, Team GB gymnast. Hey, my name's Emma Wilson. Uh, I'm a windsurfer. Uh, I'm really happy to be selected for Team GB for Paris 2024. This is Anything But Footy, the Olympic and Paralympic sport podcast covering the Games all the time rather than once every four years. I'm Michael. And I'm John. And after a couple of episodes focused on aquatics, we switch to the number one Olympic sport. Their words, athletics. Coming up, world champion Josh Kerr says he's coming home for the world indoors in Glasgow. And we'll round up the rest of the British athletics news from the British trials in Birmingham. This was my first goal of the year to qualify for Glasgow. And then next aim is to go to Glasgow and get one of those world medals. For me, it's all about racing and being competitive and being with some of the best girls in the world. So this is a great stepping stone towards Paris. We'll obviously talk about the long jump. How could we not after the week that we've had? And in our news from the games, there's swimming, boxing, cycling and tennis. And stay in touch with us and see what we're all about anytime. You can find us on social media by searching Anything But Footy or you can find us on our website, anythingbutfooty.com. You can read our blogs there and you can also contact us through the website. So quite a busy week we've had, Michael. Um, <laughs> athletics has very much been on our minds. Yeah, we've been in the eye of a very nice media storm. Um, And the reason for that is go and have a listen to our podcast we recorded with the CEO of World Athletics. It's part of our Great British Bosses series. John Ridgen was the guest and we interviewed John recently and we talked a lot about the future and about innovation for sport. And the chat, the interview has been picked up by lots and lots of media outlets, both at home and abroad, all of the newspapers that our British listeners will know, The Sun, The Daily Mail, Telegraph, Guardian have all covered the story, all credited the podcast. It's been on the BBC website, it's been on Talk Sports website as well. Did you hear it on Radio 2? Heard it on Radio 2 in the middle of one of their shows. I've been on Talk Sport talking about it. And well, the thing that's caught the imagination is this potential change to the long jump. And what John Ridgen has been telling us on the podcast is they might be moving from a takeoff line 
to a takeoff zone now. And that is one of the innovations that they're looking at trialing. So I certainly don't think it's something that's going to happen imminently. And he was talking about 2026. But the reasoning behind it is they're a very data-driven organization. These leading sports organizations are now. They'll be looking at data in terms of spectators and TV audiences, but they're also looking at the data of their event, and they're going back to Budapest, the last World Championships, and he's saying to us, a third of our jumps in the long jump are no jumps. That's not good enough as a television spectacle. It doesn't work for the fans in the stadium. How do we change that? Maybe we go to a zone whereby you measure the distance from, if you remember the old school shoe measuring things when you used to go and get your school shoes. At Clark's. At Clark's, you measure it from your big toe to where you land. And what we'll end up getting, obviously, is every jump will count and we'll probably end up with longer jumps and more world records. The men's long jump world records stood since... 1991. Mike Powell? Mike Powell, Tokyo 1991, yeah, 8.95 metres. I mean, you're going to go through some of the reaction in a moment. And obviously, as John Ridgen said in the podcast, that you can't create change without controversy. And there has been some controversy, and we'll we'll talk about it in a moment. But what I thought was was really interesting was that some of the reaction was was very much focused on long jump. But what he also said, and you can go, as Michael said, go back and listen to it, is that he admits less popular events, that's the quote, are unlikely to be included in future events. Now, whether that's the World Championships, whether that's the new event they've got planned for 2026, which he also talks about where over three nights you'll have nations competing against each other, which I think sounds like a great idea for for 2026. But less popular events. If you don't try and change, you might not have any kind of focus on you moving forward. Sport needs to innovate. I mean, we've said this so many times on the podcast and the phrase that, you know, I've I've used before was if athletics doesn't innovate, we'd have cinder tracks and people would be running in plimsolls. We've had shoe technology. We've got track technology. And now actually they're looking at the events. And you're right, the reaction to... Some of it from the long jump community has not been wholly supportive. I mean, if you'd said to me when we were watching the Los Angeles Olympics in 1984 that Carl Lewis would be responding to a podcast that we put out, I probably wouldn't have believed you. Well, firstly, we would have said, what's a podcast in 1984? But yeah, he said, is it April Fool's already? Yeah, and I mean, domestically, the, the, the long jumper that we named, the European indoor champion Jasmine Sawyers, and... I messaged her and in, in tipped her off, if you like, that the podcast was coming out and advised that she might want to have a listen to it. And she responded with a video on Instagram and she came up with a couple of pros um, for it. And she said, yep, there'll be bigger jumps and new records. Although she had some caveats on that, whether you've got the, the asterisked records, if you like. So the before the long jump takeoff zone records and the afterwards it's, it's a bit like when i covered wimbledon last year and they talk about the open era and mm. the pre-open era where it wasn't open but so you you have to have some kind of of record take methods and yeah ultimately if it is about moving the sport forward we may have a modern athletics era yeah and she then came up with eight nine different cons so reasons why she she was anti it and yeah her message to me and i don't think i'm betraying any confidences in in sharing this immediately without actually hearing the podcast was oh I don't like the sound of that and then having gone away and and listened to it and then posted the video where she references the podcast she has come up then with a number of things and I think she's got some very valid points and I think 
going back to what John Ridgen said, this is early stages, it's being trialled, it's not hard and fast yet, and we don't know exactly what it's going to look like. I think for grassroots athletics and track and field, there's big question marks. How do you decide who is the volunteer that says that is where you took off from? But that, and we, we don't talk about football, but VAR has changed the way that football is played in the Premier League and the rest of the country. Get on with it. <laughs> grassroots, you carry on as before. And again, as we move forward, because sport is now a worldwide event, it isn't an amateur thing. It isn't just something we all just go and have a laugh about and, and take part in at the weekend. Then there has to be some kind of separation, I think, between professional sport and grassroots. And the other thing I think to to mention, and I think this is the point that a lot of the, the elite athletes have said to us is, is part of long jump is not an essential part of the discipline hitting the mark. Yeah. It's not necessarily just about how far you can jump, but it's can you come up with the technique, the skill, the discipline of hitting your top speed on the track, hitting the mark, which would have been the old school plaster scene is now in elite competition, the lasers and everything, hitting the mark and jumping from that point into the sandpit. But isn't the Olympics and athletics all based on who can run fastest and who can throw fastest and who can jump highest and who can jump furthest? So actually, if you if you want people to jump, you mentioned about the world record, how long ago that was. If you want people to be talking like they did with Usain Bolt, he's the fastest man on the planet. If you want to be talking about Jasmine Sawyer, she's the furthest, she, she, she can jump further than any other woman in the world. You have to go with actually just from where you take off to landing it, 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 it when you get into the start talking about the techniques the average person doesn't know and doesn't really want to know do they they want to just know who jumped the furthest yeah i mean there's obviously been lots of tests with some of the field events and you know the the three jump thing that we brought in with long jump and i think that's a little bit of the frustration is why is it always the long jump uh, that is the one that's been kind of tweaked as well there's been lots of question marks and suggestions that actually the takeoff board was at fault in Budapest whatever the the new material the synthetic material that they've used and and Jasmine Sawyer again references that on some of her social media feeds saying that you know that takeoff board wasn't ideal and that's what caused a lot of the no jumps caused a lot of the athletes to slip um, which was one of the issues and she said that hitting the board's part of the drama and there's that jeopardy in sport isn't there that if you've got two no jumps you could be the world's best long jumper, the Olympic champion, the world record holder, whatever. Um, if you've got two no jumps and you know you need to register a jump to qualify for the next phase of the competition, whether that's in qualifying to get into a, the Olympic final or whatever. And Jasmine has been there so many times where she, even at British Championship level, has had to nail that final jump because if she didn't, she was out and therefore wouldn't have qualified for some of the major meets that she's then gone and subsequently appeared in for British Athletics and Team GB at two Olympic Games, is that part of the jeopardy? So when John Ridgen talks about improving it for television and making it more of a television spectacle, are we going to lose a little bit of that because we aren't going to have that, that jeopardy of the you're three and you're out? And I don't think he was just talking about telly. I think he was talking about the crowds as well, because as you made the right point, you get some big houses and full houses in Europe, maybe not elsewhere in the world, but the crowds are important. But if you've had, so you're, look, I'm playing devil's advocate slightly. We've just had the 100 metres. Right, we now crossed the long jump. Here's Michael Wadog. He's going, and the crowd, oh, he's, oh, he's no jumped. Uh, they won't know, if you're in the crowd, you're not necessarily following how many 
jumps you've no fouled or do you know what I mean and I just think what they're tr- what they're trying to do is we want to focus on a long jump everyone would be an event and every time it's a jump rather than oh let's go to the long jump oh always oh, just run through the sand all right we won't bother with that one and and that's where it becomes difficult I think as a spectacle both in the stadium and outside of the stadium I think going back to what John Ridgen said the sport's 150 years old and no sport can stand still can it? I mean, every sport moves on, every sport changes. You've mentioned the example of VAR and goal line technology in, in football, and there's a whole separate discussion <laughs> for other people more qualified than us. And athletics isn't immune to it. And if I, you know, and I, I've covered the sport, I cover the sport a lot. I've been to a lot of major meets, probably more than the average person. If I was to have a criticism of the sport, it's that some people in the sport want it to stand still and some people might be listening to me now and you know think I'm having a pop at them or I'm being critical of them but the sport can't stand still especially now when you compare it to some of the other big global sports you watch the Super Bowl in Las Vegas the other week forget about the game and the result and the 49ers and the Chiefs Look at the presentation of it. Look at the way it is set up. It's a television program. It's a reality TV show. There's a reason there's lots of breaks in American football. It's so, so they could show the adverts. And, and you know, if athletics wants to, and, and we've spoken for years and years about the fact that athletics just does not have the traction in the US. If it wants to have the traction in the US, and we're going to go to an Olympics later this year, where some of the major standout stars will be Americans, some of the personalities, Noah Lyle, Shakari Richardson, will be Americans, but they'll be Americans that can walk through the mall in their local town and not get recognised unless track and field does something to make it a more entertaining product, more entertaining brand, and I hate to use words like product and brand about a sport, but something that will tick the boxes with the US audiences. And that brings me very quickly, because we're going to get on to the actual athletics event that you covered at the weekend, and not just our interview, but some of the thing that John Ridgen said, which I think, again, if you're a huge athletics fan, you need to go back and listen, because what he was saying was, there's no point our year not finishing on Olympics or finishing on a world championship. You have to finish on the pinnacle of each year. And they want to create this new event in 2026, because he said, like, can you imagine golf or tennis without the Masters or without Wimbledon one year? It's just weird. And also, I've always thought this is strange. You have the Olympics, and then two weeks later, you all get together again and go for the Diamond League meeting. Well, what he want, what they want to do is change the calendar so everything finishes on a pinnacle, on the Super Bowl moment, on the thing that makes you the world champion, the Olympic champion. And that is going to take change, and it is gonna, and people are going to have to either embrace it or not. And the one thing that this episode of Great British Bosses has certainly done is start the conversations. Um, You know, and we've heard all sides of the arguments, haven't we? And um, that's what the series is all about. If you've not listened to Great British Bosses, we're up to nearly 70 episodes now. Go and have a listen. It's leaders in sport um, from the UK. We've covered so many different sports and organisations as well. And, you know, all talking about their sport, the future of their sport, 
innovation in their sport, what's good about their sport, what's bad about their sport. And well, as we said, this conversation has really kind of caught the public imagination. And I laughed and said, we had, we've had quite a week with athletics. And I said at the start of the podcast, we've swapped from aquatics to athletics. And we're in full athletics mode now because we've got these World Indoor Championships coming up. Yeah, in Glasgow as well. Home Championships, first to the, the 3rd of March. The, the British team has been named. So British Athletics have named a 21-strong team. Now, there's been a bit of criticism about that number surprise me um, and, a, and a, a lot of those in that 21 are the women's 4 by 400 metres team so actually there's not that many athletes now there's various reasons for it let's talk about the ones that are going first of all Josh Kerr's going to be there running in the 3000 metres an Olympic medalist from Tokyo a world champion as well succeeded Jake Whiteman as we know so fantastic for Josh Kerr Scott as well obviously and he's doing the 3000 3000 metres we're also going to see Laura Muir who's there the Olympic silver medalist and one to watch, I think, a name that might be relatively new to, to our audience, our listeners, Molly Cordery in the pole vault. So we've obviously talked about Holly Bradshaw for years and years, who won that Olympic medal, eventually got that global medal in Tokyo. But Molly Cordery, I think, is is the next cab off the rank here, a world lead, type, uh, world lead height of 485 this year. She's going to be in the team. Um, and Gemma Riki is another one who was in Birmingham at the British Trials, at the British Championships um, at the weekend, set a championship record in the 800 metres as well. And you managed to speak to her in Birmingham afterwards. I'm in the best shape I've ever been in, but I, you can say that and not performs, but I knew that I was, um, and I think it shows that. I ran really smoothly there and it felt really good, so I feel like I'm in even better shape than that. You mentioned obviously new coach. How has the setup and things changed? How's the winter been different from before? Yeah, it's been so fun, I'd say. Um, I've had a really good team around me and the training's been completely different, but I've just had to take complete trust because obviously I'm doing so many different things whereas before I was doing things that I could always compare myself to, but every session's kind of like a new session, a new gym workout, a new block of training, and I've just had full trust in John and I know I can go to him and speak to him and sometimes I have to say to him, what kind of shape do you think I'm in? And um, yeah, it's quite hard to compare things, but I've just given full trust um, to John and Dan and MJ, um, my SNC coach and everyone around me. I mean, I've got such a good team and it's just been so much fun, I'd say. <laughs> got a huge smile on yeah. your face. How important is it to smile when you go to work? Yeah, it's definitely, and I've learned that a lot. And I think I learned that off my partner, John. Um, it's confusing, I've got two Johns now. But my partner, John, he came into my life a couple of years ago and he just taught me what life was for and how much fun you should be having. And there's never a dull day with him and it means that I'm a happier athlete as well, so. But it is obviously going to be a really busy year. There's a European title potentially yeah. in there as well. But is, is the main focus the Olympics? Does it have to be Paris? Yeah, the main focus is definitely the Olympics. I'd love to go to Europeans if I can and maybe switch up a then um, for that. But obviously the athletes in Britain, are, you can't take anyone for granted and it's absolutely stacked. So we'll just have to see how the season goes. But Paris is definitely the next big game after Glasgow. Well, enjoy today. Well done. Thank you. Gemma Riki talking to Michael. And ahead of those world indoors in Glasgow, Netherlands superstar Femke Boll flew to another world record at the Dutch Indoor Championships in Appledorn at the weekend, improving her own world indoor 400-metre record to 49.24, of course yet to be ratified, and retain her national title. So it means that she will be in Glasgow uh, up against the likes of the Nielsen sisters after an amazing one-two at those British championships in the 400 metres. Yeah, Lavia Nielsen will be in the individual. Her sister Lena will be in, in the 4 by 400 metre relay team. And Michael managed to catch up with both of them after their results.
You've obviously got those Olympic rings tattooed on you. How much does the indoor season build towards that ultimate goal of Paris? Yeah, you know, my coach, uh, our coach Tony, he's coached many 400 meter runners and he had great success with Nicholas Sanders, our British record holder, going into a World Championship year where she got a silver medal in 49.6. So he sees the importance of indoors. For me, it's all about racing and being competitive and being with some of the best girls in the world. So this is a great stepping stone towards Paris. How pleased are you to be chasing down someone, but it's your sister. It's, do you know what? It makes it so much better. Yesterday for the semi, I was so nervous. I watched her run first and I was, she, I was just like, she showed me. She, she basically did a tutorial for me. So I was like, just go out and do the same thing. I think we were at a big advantage to have each other. Love has got so much experience in the four flat and more of a hurdler. So it really helps to kind of use her in training, use her in races like today. Exactly what it's like in training. Yeah, so um, it's just amazing and I wouldn't switch it for anything in the world. Love it. How much are you able to strategize between the two of you ahead of races? Yeah, Lena's great. We've got, we've, we've got different strengths and weaknesses. She's a much stronger runner and I've got a bit more speed. So, um, you know, we, we said most likely I'll be at the break first, but I knew it was going to be a tough first 200. I knew it wouldn't be easy to pass her. So it kind of gives me that push as well. You know, it's hard to, it's hard to chase, but it's also hard to be in chase. So I knew she would be right there with me. And she'd bring that many surprises sometimes, so I couldn't rest on my laurels today. <laughs> Lena, just finally, we know obviously your sister's got the time. She'll be in Glasgow and you're aimed to be there with her. I aim to be in the relay and I think I've done that. You know, the individual was never in my mind, if I'm being honest. Um, I really just wanted to be in the relay um, and I hope to run both the heats and the finals and hopefully bring home some bling. So we mentioned a 21-strong team for Great Britain and Northern Ireland. It could increase. There might be some invitations from World Athletics based on world rankings. There's a reason that the team, I think, is small. Um, you've got athletes like the aforementioned Jasmine Sawyers, who's not doing an indoor season this year because her focus is very much on Paris. You'll have people that haven't got the qualification marks. If you've not got the qualification marks and you've not got the world rankings, you can't go to the event. And I think the wider part of the strategy with British athletics, as we saw at the World Championships in Budapest, is the focus now is on taking more smaller, uh, is taking smaller teams with more focus on winning medals and getting to finals. This is Anything But Footy, the Olympic and Paralympic podcast. Stay with us. We're going to round up the rest of the news from the Games ahead of Paris 2024. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is anything but footy, counting down to the Olympic Games. And we were talking earlier, Michael, about the week that we had. I think it's quite apt that we're back literally in the same location that we were when we started this podcast in 2019 sitting in my front room we're actually in a a different room in the house but sitting in the same place who would have thought that we would have led the news agenda in a sporting way we're not talking about the national news agenda but from a sporting point of view and it's not why we do it and we always say that to our guests on great british bosses it's not about generating news headlines but it is about us getting an understanding of the sports. And I think what was really get great about, and we haven't said this about John Ridgen coming on, is that he wanted to come on and he wants to sell the sport. He wants to encourage. He said, we're in a position of strength at the moment. We're not doing this because we're desperate. 
we're in a position of strength. We've sorted the Russians out. We've sorted out the Ukraine issues. We've sorted out the, the, the state doping issues. We're in a position of strength, and now we want to move forward. And I think it, that's actually quite a refreshing attitude to have. When we started this back in 2019, I think we said, didn't we, that we wanted to put the focus on Olympic and Paralympic sports and the athletes that we felt didn't get a fair go of it outside of their Olympics. So we have the Olympic moment every two years, a winter games or a, or a summer games. And we always felt that the battle, the the challenge for the organisations um, that run sport in this country was to try and keep those athletes relevant in between times. So it's the taekwondo athletes it's the judokas it's everyone else that we wanted to talk about and we said didn't we and i just said there the aim was to put the focus on those people we put the focus on one of our olympic sports this week mm. and that olympic sport they said the most participated sport they said the number one olympic sport but it's also a sport that we know is battling in the sporting landscape and is battling to try and get broadcast tv deals at the minute and is a sport that is going to be battling at the Olympics against all the other sports and the new disciplines that come in that people are excited about, whether that's skateboarding or freestyle BMX. Athletics wants to stay, wants to be the pinnacle, wants to be the bit that everyone looks forward to in week two. So having told all our guests and Great British bosses, we're not looking for a big newspaper headline here. We are, if you like, fulfilling our remit of putting the focus on some of these sports, and that's what we aim to do. Absolutely, absolutely. Talking of which, we've got swimming, cycling, boxing and some tennis to come. Yeah, British swimming, we'll start with them. They finished their World Aquatics Championship with seven swimming medals. So add that to some of the diving medals that we've previously spoken about, including a couple of golds, including the first individual female world champion since Rebecca Adlington back in 2011. So we're talking here about Lauren Stevens, gold medalist in the 200-meter butterfly, and Freya Corbett on the final night in the 400-meter medley. Uh, Max Litchfield back representing British swimming as well after a couple of years out. Spoken about that before, one of silver and Ben Proud won bronze in the final weekend in Doha leaving Britain fifth on the medals table all eyes firmly now on the trials for the Paris 2024 Olympics they take place in the first week of April in the London Aquatic Centre so the host venue of the 2012 games at Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park and I think some people were maybe a little bit disappointed with the medal haul from British Swimming. Um, and I've certainly seen some informed opinion in the last sort of 24, 48 hours going, oh, well, where are the medals going to come from in Paris? And I'm not too concerned, to be honest. I, I think Paris is always the target this year. And as we said before, the word we used was process. This is just part of the process. So certainly for the divers, it was just getting that, those quota spots and they've got the full diving team there. I'm not really sure anyone is massively hugely bothered about the medal return i think no. it will be a very different looking medal return come paris in in five months i think lauren stephen you mentioned there she talked about i'm just going through training at the moment these i came here to race as part of my training regime it is all about training and and we, we certainly saw that now talking of uh, quota spots gb boxing has selected 10 men and women to try and secure olympic qualification as the first world qualification boxing tournament in italy takes place in march 59 places are on offer at the event in italy which will include more than 700 male and female boxers from around the world so huge challenge ahead for savannah stubley elise glynn shona whitwell chantel reed kieran mcdonald jack dryden 
Lewis Richardson, Patrice Mugagsley, Taylor Bevan and Patrick Brown, who will all be representing Great Britain. Cindy and Gamba, who trains in Sheffield with GB Boxing, has also been selected to compete at the IOC refugee team. So she will be uh, working her way through that qualification tournament as well. And of course, Great Britain, after last summer's European Games, when Charlie Davison, Rosie Eccles and Delicious Ore secured qualification for Paris. So we've got three already but we'll be expecting a few more from GB Boxing in these two qualifying tournaments, the first one coming up in Italy in March. Now, if I was to go out onto the high street, close to where we are at the minute in the town where you live, and ask people randomly to name some Olympic cyclists, I think we'd hear the name Laura Kenny. Yep. I think we'd hear maybe Bradley Wiggins. <laughs> Still. Um, Chris Hoy. Uh, and we, of course, wish him all the best we as do. well with his um, cancer battle that he's um, recently had to reveal. Um, and you've got to be a pretty low person, I would suggest, to be forcing that issue if it was something he and his family wanted to keep private, which it seems that he did. And I think those would be the names, Mark Cavendish, Jason Kenny, uh, a push maybe would be the names that people will, will come up with. Names that we all attach still to 12 years ago in 2012. I'll make a suggestion if we record this in six months' time, some people might come up with the name Emma Finnecane. And she's going to be, I think, one of the standout stars, world and European champion. She's going to be one of the many star names in action for British cycling this year. And that includes this coming weekend because it's the British National Track Championships from Friday until Sunday. Now, this event promises Olympic and Paralympic and world medalists going head to head against some of the big stars of tomorrow. The future cyclist, Paralympic champion Jodie Cundy will be riding in both the able-bodied and the paracycling categories in the 1K time trial. And there will be live coverage from the event on the British Cycling YouTube channel as well. So there's going to be sessions on Friday morning, Friday evening, then again Saturday morning, Saturday evening, and then a big Sunday afternoon finale as well. So again, we've been crediting British Cycling a lot on the podcast recently. You know, fantastic that they've got the YouTube channel and people can go there and they can watch these people. And as we said, right, back in 2019, putting that focus bringing that profile to names like Emma Finucane. Hopefully people can go and support her and see her in action if they haven't already. Absolutely. Uh, talking of big names, uh, Carlos Alcaraz, winner of the 2023 Queen's Club Championship, known as the Cinch Championships. Stella Artois, isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> for, for some of us of a vintage. Cinch will not be happy with your uh, mention of Stella Artois there. Uh, and the current Wimbledon champion, of course. He's the first player to enter this year's prestigious tournament, which is held at Queen's. The 21-year-old, of course, had an unbeaten record on British grass last year. So very much looking forward to having him back in the summer. Carlos Alcaraz will be at Queens. Remember I covered the snooker last year. They mm. they still called it the Embassy World Championship. <laughs> <laughs> People still, you know, you'd speak to some of the the fans in yeah. the foyer at the Crucible Theatre and they would still talk about going to the Benson and Hedges Masters or the, the Embassy and it hasn't been that for, for years. Years, years. Years and years. Nearly so 25 years I would suggest. That's that's the power of sponsorship and if someone wants to sponsor the Anything But Footy podcast <laughs> um, or Stella Artois want to thank me personally for the mention well you know where you can find us. We're there on all the socials. Uh, you can check out our website as well anythingbutfooty.com There's some updates on the website as well that people might 
might want to check out, see how my hairline has changed <laughs> in some of the pictures over the years. And you can read our latest blogs there and check out our 2024 sporting calendar on the website. As I said, anything but footy.com. There is a contact us page. If you want to have your say about long jump or the future of athletics or anything that we've discussed on the podcast, you can send us a message there and do stay with us as we count down to Paris 2024 and the Olympic and Paralympic Games. Sports Social Podcast Network.